Hello and welcome back to episode number 9 of the Other 99% podcast where we take a step back from the 1% gains that society has become obsessed with and instead talk about the other 99%. Throughout this series we will discuss everything from nutrition to sleep, training methods, work-life balance, leadership and mental health. We were very fortunate to have guest Tom Osman with us last week to share some of his thoughts on health, fitness and training and we hope that we're going to be able to convince him to come back on again in the future. This week, we're going to start by talking about rest and recovery. A certain degree of fatigue resulting in functional overreaching is required for performance enhancement and can be compensated through comprehensive recovery. This is a quote taken from International Journal of Sports Physiology and Performance, and we're going to try and break that down a little bit um, in this episode. I think there's a lot of time given over to training, diet, supplements, which is great, and we need to know about these things in order to improve our physical health, fitness, and well-being, but often overlooked is the role of rest and recovery in all this. In simple terms, we need to stimulate and stress our muscles and nervous system to bring about positive adaptation. However, progress isn't linear, and we do need to factor in time for rest and recovery in order to continue improving and to avoid overtraining and injury. But how do you know how much rest you need and when you need to take it? This is a highly complex and nuanced area of sports science and training, and I won't pretend that I know all the answers. However, I have lived a lot of these experiences in my own training. I've gone through periods of time where um, I've got the balance really right, but also times where I've been at the other end and, and sat unhappily in the overtraining zone. There's nothing wrong with placing your body under physiological stress. As I said before, we need this in order to improve. Without it, we won't just remain the same, but we will actively regress in terms of what we're capable of. The exact amount of stress that you can tolerate is dependent on a number of factors, including training age, training status, what stage of your program you're at, if there's a specific event or part of a team sport that has a season element to it, um, and of course, what your overall goal is. If we continue to train at high volume and high intensity, for extended periods of time, then we risk pushing our bodies into a state of overtraining. At present, there's no single objective marker to identify overtraining syndrome, according to research published by the University of Queensland. They suggest that it's a combination of factors that identify a diagnosis of overtraining. Well, what are the problems with this though? Well, I mentioned this in a previous episode, exercise has the ability to boost immune function. If you overtrain for an extended period of time, then several immune parameters can be suppressed. In addition to this, you can expect to see some of these, if not all, disturbed sleep, frequent illness, uh, and alterations in mood state. If you have been training for an extended period of time and are used to monitoring your own training levels and responses, you'll know what to look out for. For me, disrupted sleep and a sharp increase in resting heart rate can be observed. There is an important distinction to make at this point. Overtraining is something that a lot of people will experience in their lifetime if they're committed to the activity and they love doing it um, and it isn't the end of the world if it's identified early and a period of extended low level activity and rest are implemented you can revert back to your normal le levels relatively quickly. If you continue to push through this overtraining barrier then you risk chronic overtraining and chronic fatigue as well as higher chances of injury. Although you would really be going some to achieve this, it is possible and it can take a long time to recover from. On the flip side of this, I already 
mentioned the concept of overreaching and putting yourself in a zone of discomfort to elicit change in the body. Do not mistake feeling sore after a workout or waking up tired and stiff after a long session for overtraining. There's nothing wrong with finding something hard or feeling it a few days after. It doesn't mean that you have to do absolutely nothing as a result. So don't be fooled into using these feelings as an excuse to opt out of your workouts, particularly if you're at the very beginning of your journey. So how do you organize your training to ensure this doesn't happen? Well, this is a process known as periodization, and it can be very intricate and complex as a process, or it can be quite simple, depending on your level and your intended goals. It's essentially a method of breaking up training into smaller, easy to manage segments that are typically referred to as phases of training. These are commonly referred to as general preparation, specific preparation, pre-comp and comp. There are other terms, but essentially they work off the same principles. In each of these phases, there's a balance and a compensation between intensity and load. Example, at the beginning of the general preparation phase, load is high, but intensity is low. The, the idea is to build a strong base or gas tank as well as a higher work capacity that will allow you to tolerate higher work intensities in the future. Moving into the specific prep, you would encounter more of the activity that you're training to compete in, so runners running, swimmers swimming, at the intensities that would be required for the event you're training for. So the load decreases and the intensity increases, and of course there's a point where these two might cross over. This is useful knowledge if you're training for a single event or for a season where you can leave your recovery phase and enter this build phase and transition into pre-comp at the right time. However, I do understand that not everyone is training for a specific event or sport and your reasons and motivations for exercise are geared towards general health and fitness. Even things like park runs that you compete and test yourself in each week might come under this category as you're not building to one of them specifically and therefore they become a part of your training schedule. Moving away from theories of periodization that may or may not interest you, what we can do as individuals is to A, look after ourselves, and B, continue to improve our performance at our chosen activity. As I mentioned before, the concept of rest and recovery is highly nuanced. In a professional environment, when an athlete is resting, they're resting. For 99% of us, when we're resting, we're going to work, we're looking after the kids, and so on and so forth. So our rest and recovery can actually be thwarted by our lifestyle. I wouldn't go as far as to call them rules, but I have three main suggestions or things to focus on that can aid and improve your recovery uh, from training and from, from life, really. The first one is sleep. Sleep is a whole episode on its own, but I'll touch on it briefly. People living in the 21st century have the worst sleep habits in history, and it comes down to cardiac rhythms, which are physical, mental and behavioural changes that follow a 24-hour cycle. A lot of these are governed by light, particularly the release of melatonin in the body. When we were cavemen and women, we lived our lives by the rising and the setting of the sun, and our bodies continue to work on that system today. However, since the introduction of artificial light, we are staying awake longer than ever before, and uh, that's disrupting the release and response to important hormones like melatonin. So before you go to bed, try and avoid screens, devices, all those things as much as possible as it's been discovered that blue light they emit can be highly detrimental to healthy sleep patterns. Keep the lights in your house or room dim. Use a lamp instead of the main lights of the room as this reduction in light exposure can facilitate a healthier sleep pattern. There's a lot of research into how much sleep a person should have and I take a view that a lot of the expectations are unrealistic. 
it would be great if we could all have a full and uninterrupted eight to ten hours a night but unfortunately sometimes we have to work late we have to wake up and feed the children change a, a nappy or simply just wake up in time to commute to work so I'd say that sleep quality is the most important thing so do what you can to improve your sleep quality and then when you get the chance to have a bit of a lion take it if you can manage this then you'll reduce and delay your chances of any overtraining symptoms and in turn provide opportunity to train better and improve your performance as well the second one and this comes up in just pretty much every single topic is food um, I could talk about this all day long but there's just a few things that we can change easily that can help with training rest and recovery your carbohydrate window I spoke about um, in a previous episode is taking on carbs to aid recovery within 30 minutes at the end of your exercise session make sure you're eating enough if you're not fueling your body with enough calories to help replenish what you've burned then you can expect to see a reduction in performance and an increase in time to full recovery however these calories need to be the right calories as well you cannot be deficient in any area and hope that your body will just adapt to this especially as we move into winter getting enough fruit and veg in your diet to support healthy immune function as well as to support your recovery is essential in addition to this I hate to mention it already, but with Halloween and Christmas coming up in the next couple of months, there's the inevitable abundance of sweet and chocolates everywhere you go. Although you shouldn't feel bad for treating yourself to these, a breakfast of celebrations isn't going to help you move towards um, your, your targets and your goals, so just be sensible with that. And number three, build steadily. Rome wasn't built in a day, and you don't have to be either. We live in a world of instant messaging and next day deliveries and unfortunately health and fitness can't be shipped overnight. Set sensible and realistic goals to work towards that can help you stay consistent on your path to success. With this, also, the type of exercise you choose is important. It was mentioned in my interview with Tom Osman that you need to be conditioned for the exercise you're choosing. Diving straight in with high intensity workouts day after day does come with an element of risk if you've not built up to it. It's something to bear in mind and if you want to know more about this or think you might benefit from tailored um, training and planning and advice then you can always reach out to me through social media or through email. Lastly on this, like with the nutrition, everything in moderation. Build yourself up brick by brick. Okay, so quite a bit of information today. Um, hopefully you can take um, a little bit away and implement it into, into your own lives. Um, thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. I do genuinely appreciate the feedback that, that I've been receiving uh, and I'd love to hear how you're getting on with your own journeys and please keep passing this message on to your friends, family and colleagues to help spread the word. Please direct any of your feedback or questions that you have uh, to me through social media, uh, Twitter or Instagram at the other 99% or via email at george-cook at live.co.uk and I look forward to having you all here again next time. Bye for now.